It's great to be up here and see you all here. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Rebecca. I'm part of the staff here at City Hope and part of the preaching team. And I today have the um, privilege to finish a series. It's been a great series, hasn't it? It's been called Free to Be. I've actually been here for every one of those sermons, and they've been super. I, th- I hope you've enjoyed them. If you've missed any, they're all online on our website, so do check them out. And we have been uh, talking about what we as Christians enjoy, what freedoms we enjoy. And often when we talk about freedom in Christ, we talk about things that we're freed from, don't we? Free from the power of sin and death and fear and condemnation. Good, good news about the gospel. We are free from those things. But we are free to be so much. And that's what we've been looking at. And I don't know if anybody here can remember them all in the right order. Don't worry about it, I've got them. <laughs> we started off being f- saying we are free to be hospitable in a culture of isolation. That was Chris, he kicked off the series. As Christians, we are free to be hospitable. That's who we are. We are free to be happy in a culture of cynicism. John spoke to us about that. We are free to be hopeful in a culture of despair. We're free to be hopeful, not despairing. Isn't that good news? That was God Listen, you remember that? Claire spoke to us about being free to be honest in a culture of appearances. Everyone else is obsessed with appearances. We don't have to be like that. We are free from that. And last week, Chris brilliantly spoke to us about freedom to be humble in a culture of pride and arrogance. If you missed that, I encourage you, any of those you've missed them, do listen we are free, folks. We're free from so many things, and we're free to be so much. And today, as you can see, we are free to be holy in a culture of conformity. This is good news. Somebody said to me this week, they said um, very wisely, they said, do you know how many people switch off when you start talking about holiness? They're just like, oh, this is too much. This is too much for me. I'm here to tell you it's good news And I'm hopefully going to show you why it's good news. We're going to look together and see why it's such good news that we are free to be holy. It's who we are, and we're going to see why it's good. I'm going to pray quickly, because I really need God to help me, and we need God to help us. Yes, Father, we, we need you. As we look into your word this morning, we want to come with humble hearts, with open hearts, with hearts that recognize that you are God and we are not. We want to take what you say to us and we want to honour you with what we do with it. Lord, give us ears to hear this morning. And Spirit of God, would you speak to us? Would you speak to hearts and minds this morning and draw us ever closer to you, the pursuing God? We want to turn toward you, Lord, not away from you. And we want to honour you with all we've got. And we say, I just say, Spirit of God, help us this morning. Challenge us and speak to us, I pray. Amen. There's lots of Bible in today's sermon, and that's because I want you to know that I'm not talking about religious observance and rules and laws. I want us to see what God says to us, what the Bible says. It has a lot to say about holiness and conformity. We're going to look at what those things mean in a minute, but first I'm going to read from 1 Peter, uh, first letter of the Apostle Peter. Says this, it's in chapter 1 from verse 13, it's on the screen. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. That's his next coming, not his last one. 
As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him so that your faith and hope are in God. Okay, that's our starting block for today. I'm not going to go through that passage. It's almost our our starting block and we're going to look at lots of other scriptures. But first of all, um, I just want to look at the terms. Free to be holy. Holy is a little word, but it means a lot in a culture of conformity. And what does that mean? So, holy has lots of meanings for one little word. It has this sense to it in the Bible. It means something that is separate from the ordinary and everyday. Separated from common use, if you like, from the everyday use of stuff. If something is holy, it's put apart. It has a sense of being dedicated to God. Something's holy, it's for God. It's put apart for him. And it really has this sense, as I think we know, of purity and righteousness, of rightness. God is holy, so it's a good thing. And in that little world, we get all of those senses. So what's the opposite? What's the thing that our world around us does and we are not to do? We are free from conformity. Conformity means kind of sameness. You know, it's not distinct. It's same, it's not holy, it's not set apart, it's conforming, it just falls in. Fits in with surrounding norms. Things just conform, they go with the flow, they follow the crowd. Here's a picture of conformity. (laughs) Sheep are well known, aren't they, for just following each other. They're not supposed to be very bright, people say, I don't know. And here's another picture of conformity. is there, it's coming, trust me. Do you need me to do it, Alfredo? Oh, there you go. Can you see that? So that's a picture of lots of men performing, I won't do it, performing a Nazi salute. It's a picture of conformity, um, slightly more (laughs) serious than the last one. Uh, It's a picture from 1936 in in Hamburg in Germany, and uh, it's at a shipyard, and Adolf Hitler is visiting and the Nazis are growing in power in Germany, and uh, all these men are saluting this great new leader, Hitler. It's a picture of conformity, if ever you saw one. But if you look a bit closer, I've lost, I seem to have lost all the power, Alfredo. But if you look a bit closer, there's a man there in the midst of that picture who is not conforming. He's got his arms folded, can you see that? These men are, are doing, they're, they're hailing this great new leader, Adolf Hitler. We know the end of the story, right? This is 1936. And this man has his arms folded. He's not conforming. He is not falling in. He is not going with the flow. It's quite powerful, isn't it? It's quite a powerful picture. When you zoom in, he stands out. 
he doesn't just go with the flow. And I looked into the story of this man, and we all love a good story, right? Because it helps us remember things. And this is a guy called August Landmesser, and uh, he is here in 1936. He works in a shipyard in Germany, and he's a member of the Nazi party in the early days. But as things started to change in Nazi Germany, he started to see what was going on. And uh, luckily for August, he fell in love with a beautiful woman in 1935, but she was a Jew, and their love was forbidden, and their marriage was forbidden. They were not allowed to marry. They tried to flee the country to go to Denmark. They were stopped, and uh, he was imprisoned. Later, she was imprisoned, and in fact, she was uh, later, in 1942, um, killed by the Nazis in a camp. And August Landmesser, we believe, was killed in action later on. It's a powerful story, and it actually, conform not conforming, standing out, is not always the easiest thing to do. It's a powerful picture. Standing out, not falling in with the crowd, it's not always the easiest thing to do. But have you ever heard this expression? Only dead fish go with the flow. In a healthy river, only dead fish follow the flow. Just go with the flow. And a good news for you and me today is we are called to be more than dead fish. Amen? Amen? We are free to be holy in a culture where everyone else feels the need to conform. God has better for us. We are called to be holy. In fact, the Bible says you are holy. Did you know that? The Bible says you are holy. As we've gone through this series, I hope if you are a Christian, you are hospitable, happy, hopeful, honest, humble. The Bible says you are holy as well. That's what you are. You are set apart. You are dedicated to God. You are pure and righteous. In the letter that I read from right at the beginning, 1 Peter uh, there's a very famous verse, you may have heard it, where Peter encourages the Christians he's writing to, and he says, you are a holy people. You are a holy people. Belonging to God. And it's worth noting at that point that that is not an individual identity. You are holy, Bev. You are holy, Tan. Those things are true, but it's a corporate identity. He says, you're a holy people. Belonging to God as the church of Jesus Christ. I hope you're getting from this series. We're supposed to look different as a people. We stand out from the world around us. We don't just blend in. That's what freedom looks like as a Christian. We are different. We are free to be different. It's really good news. I don't know about you. When I see some of the things that people feel the need to conform to, whether they're ways of seeing the world, whether they're ways of living, whether they're ways of prioritizing what's good and bad in life, I'm so happy. I'm free from that. I'm free from the need to conform. Let's look at what the Bible says. God made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we would become the righteousness of God. You are holy because that exchange has taken place. Already has taken place. If you're a Christian, if you're surrendered to Christ, if your life is his, you have right standing with God as a gift. As a gift. The exchange has taken place. He who knew no sin 
Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, became sin. Why? For us. For us. So that you get, I get, the righteousness of God as a gift in exchange. You are holy. That was the Apostle Paul to Corinth. This is also Paul writing to uh, the Christians in Colossae. And you were at one time strangers and enemies in your minds, as expressed through your evil deeds. But now he has reconciled you by his physical body, that's Jesus Christ, through death, his own death, to present you holy, without blemish and blameless before him, if indeed you remain in the faith, established and firm without shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. You were, we were strangers and enemies. You could not achieve a pact with God. You could not, I could not achieve peace with God. He reconciled us through his physical body in death. I told you it's going to be good news. It's good news, isn't it? We are holy. We are acceptable to God, a holy God, because Christ has given us his righteousness. It's so good. That's my first point. You are holy. My second point is Therefore, be holy. You are holy, therefore be what you are. This whole series has been encouraging us to see through the lens of the gospel the way we are, who we are, in a culture around us that is very, very different. It's calling us out. Be different. Be what you are, church. You are holy, therefore be holy. In Matthew chapter 3, the Gospel of Matthew, verse 8, it says this, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Very small phrase. But it just came back to me as I was preparing this. And what it means is, if you're a repentant person, if you've repented and turned to Christ, then that should be visible in your life. There should be fruit growing out of a life that is surrendered to God. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. In other words, you are holy, therefore be holy. Be what you are. There's an outflow. Let's see what. Let's read some scripture about this. It's coming. Thanks, Alfredo. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? And you are not your own. For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body. Did you know you don't own yourself? If you're a Christian, Paul says here, you, you don't own yourself. You've been bought with the most incredible price. We read it right at the beginning, didn't we, in 1 Peter? Not with silver and gold. You've not been like ransomed with, with material goods, but with the most precious thing you can imagine, with the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God. You don't own yourself. You belong to the Holy One. We belong to the Holy One. Another verse for us, Peter again. Lots of Peter and Paul this morning. It's good. From Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are temporarily living abroad in various places, 
who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by being set apart by the Spirit for obedience and for sprinkling with Jesus Christ's blood. May grace and peace be yours in full measure. This is the same letter we started with. And we, l- we love the part in the scriptures, don't we, about being chosen? We love that. It's like, oh, like Tim shared this morning, the eternal, perfect, holy God, God of gods, before all things, after all things, the one true God, he chose us. Even before you were a thing, even before anyone knew who you would be or what your name would be or that you would exist, God chose you. We love those scriptures, don't we? He loved us and he chose us before we even existed. But what does Peter say we're chosen for? We're chosen to be set apart. That's one of those meanings of holiness, remember? For being set apart for the Spirit, for what? For obedience. You're chosen. It's wonderful. You're chosen for obedience. It's wonderful. You are holy, therefore be holy. I told you there'd be a lot of Bible, didn't I? It's safe, safe ground. This is Paul again. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that could defile the body and the spirit and thus accomplish holiness out of reverence for God. You remember in 1 Peter we started and he says, if you address as father, the impartial judge of all people, live out your time here in reverent fear. There's a right sense of reverent fear for God, isn't there? He's holy. He's perfect. He is every adjective we can apply to God. He is the extreme of it. He's the most beautiful, most powerful, most just, most loving, most pursuing, most good. All those things that we could say of God that we know to be true from the scripture. He's the superlative. That means he's the most extreme version. He's the best version of that. He's the most holy. And so Peter says, you are holy. You've been accepted by a holy God because Jesus made that possible through his death. But what is our response to that? Is it holiness? Is it reverent fear? Is it, Father, you are holy. I want to be holy like you. I want to look like you, Heavenly Father. I want to live out my time here recognizing you are God and I am not. That's what I think Paul and Peter are driving at here. Your Father is holy. Where we started, God saying, be holy because I am holy. I'm your Father. You're supposed to look like me. You're part of my family now. This is who I am. And as church, the good news is that we can be different, that we must be different from the world around us. The world around us uh, maybe, maybe wouldn't see that being free to be holy is a good thing. Maybe they wouldn't see it. And actually, one of the things that I've put in our Connect Group notes for this week uh, which are available over on the table, is that questions like, how do we communicate this to the world around us? We don't necessarily have to use the word holy. I think it's not a great word. It has sort of religious overtones and people, it sounds boring. It's not boring. God is holy. It has to be a good thing. 
But we, how can we communicate this to people? As I say, that's an aside. Questions for most of these sermon series are actually available on the table over there. If you didn't get them or you want them, please pick them up. But it's good news. We are different. We are free to be different. My third point. So you are holy, therefore be holy. And the great news is you are free to not conform. Today is the day. I, I wrote that because I feel there's a sense that God is speaking to us. Will we listen? We're free from that. We're free. We don't need to fall in. We don't need to look like everyone else. I don't mean look like everyone else. You know what I mean. Live, build, behave. We're free to not conform. You are free to not conform. We do not need to go with the flow. In fact, we don't go with the flow because that's not what a Christian does. And in so many ways that we've seen over the last few weeks, we don't just look like everybody else. We don't think like everybody else. We don't build our lives on the same principles as everyone else. No, we are free from that. We're freed, freed by God to be all these wonderful things. In the letter to the Romans, Paul writes this very familiar passage to some of you. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters. He doesn't just suggest or kind of suggest. No, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, take a look. Look at the view of God's mercy. It's like a... It's like a horizon. If you're flying an aeroplane and it gets a bit... Um, I don't know if anybody here is pilot. Some of you maybe have flown airplanes before. Um, I haven't, by the way. Don't, don't get me wrong. Like, this is not something I do, but I've read about it. And the horizon is just, is your, it's just your safety. It's your, it's your plumb line. It's like, great, there's the horizon. It's always there, <laughs> unless you've got lots of cloud and then you're looking for it. The view of God's mercy is like our horizon. It's like the, the constant, the plumb line in our lives. In view of God's mercy, don't take your eyes off it. Don't take your eyes off God's mercy because if you do, you start thinking, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not holy. I did this. I do that. I feel like that. I struggle with these thoughts. I'm not holy. Therefore, what, what, I, I'm not good enough. No, you are holy because Christ has given it to you as a gift. Hold that. Hold in your view God's mercy. In view of God's mercy, then I urge you, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Do you want to please God? Yes. I want to please God, my Father. Why do we do it? Because it's proper worship. Worship is honoring God with your life, your body, Paul says. Don't conform to the patterns of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. In view of God's mercy, in view of the precious promises, in view of Christ's gift of righteousness to us as God's children, in view of that, therefore be holy. Therefore offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Don't conform. You don't have to conform anymore. Stand up. Don't blend in. This is a picture of a blueprint. You know, you have blueprints before you build something. You have a plan. 
just want us to think about the blueprint that people around us use to build. Not, not houses or offices, but lives. What do you build your life? What's the, what's the plan? What's the blueprint? Bef- maybe you became a Christian later in life. I became a Christian when I was a child, so it's not really relevant so much to me. But some of you here, you, you, you've been adults as unbelievers, and you've built your life on a certain blueprint. You've built on a certain way, in a certain way, and maybe you've got, um, you know, you know, you will know people at work, and family, and friends who build on a certain blueprint. What's important? What's ultimately important? Maybe for some people, it's family. You know, that it's that tight knit family. Everything you give, everything just to keep that safe. Maybe it's career. For many people, it's wealth. I think that's the answer. Whatever it is, what's the blueprint? And My question is just this, is the same blueprint any use once we're children of God? It's pretty obvious the answer is no. And yet it's very easy to keep trying to build on the same old blueprint, to not radically rip that up, throw it away and start with a new one. If you don't know what your blueprint for building is, can I send you to this Yeah, the Bible. If you don't know what your blueprint, even if you're thinking, whoa, that's a really good question. What am I building on? You know, Jesus tells the story about the wise man who builds on rock and his house is going to, yes, it's going to get blown about by the storm, but it's going to stand. The rock in that story are the words of Jesus and what you do with them. He says, if you hear my words and put them into practice, it's like you're building on rock. You will stand it, w- it may not be easy, like Donna says. You might have to hold on. You will have to hold on. But if you build on the rock, if you take the words of God and apply them in your life, that's what it looks like to build on the rock. That's the blueprint for life that we have. And it's freedom. It's freedom from all those things. You are holy, therefore be Holy. We started here in 1 Peter, and uh, Peter writes these words, Just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. When you read the New Testament apostles, uh, Peter and Paul, they often quote the Old Testament scripture. That was their Bible. The New Testament wasn't written down at that point. Some of it may have been passed around, but the, the Bible, as far as they were concerned, was the Old Testament. So they use it a lot in teaching and exhorting the people, just like we do. It's God's word to us. And he quotes this. God says, be holy because I am holy. And he's quoting from a book called Leviticus in the Old Testament. And God there is speaking to the people, to his Old Testament people who he has chosen to be his Remember how Peter says, you're a holy nation, uh, a holy people belonging to God. He's referring back to that same idea. God says, you're my people. And when uh, God says that and it's recorded in Leviticus, what he's talking about is the people of God are to come out from among all the other peoples and be different. He says, look at the people around you. Look at the nations around you, the different people groups, the way people behave, the different ideologies, the different ways people build their lives. He says, but you're to be holy because I am holy. You are to be different because you're to be like me. You are to come out from that great mass of humanity 
and be mine. And that's what Peter is quoting. And actually, the context, if you go away and read Leviticus 18 and 19, which I suggest you do, uh, it, the context is that uh, much of it is about um, sexual compromise. It's about sexual sin and the way the people conduct themselves, the things they think are okay, the things that they do which are self-serving and offensive to God. It's in that context that God says, right, you're my people. I want you to be holy because I'm holy. I want you to not blend in. I want you to stand out. It's freedom. It's freedom to not just conform. Can you see that? Does this sound like good news? Feels like really good news to me. I'm not saying it's easy. Don't get me wrong. This is kind of simple message, but not easy message. <laughs> okay, it's simple message. You are holy. It's a gift of God. Therefore, be holy like your Father. I know it's simple, but it's not easy. That's okay, because we're going to pray, and God is with us. Amen? You are free not to conform. Whatever the things... Maybe the Spirit of God right now is, is stirring something in you and you're thinking, oh, I feel like I've conformed with the world in this way or that way. God is saying you're free from that. You're free from that. I've made you holy in Christ. Now be holy. Now come out from that conforming culture and be different. Paul in um, 1 Corinthians, we read, tells us that the Holy Spirit lives in us. Don't you know you're a temple of the Holy Spirit, he says, doesn't he? And that's part of the reason he says, that's the motivator for holiness. God lives in you. Paul talks elsewhere in, in the letter to Corinth about um, sexual sin. And he says, how, how can you do that? God is in you. Do you not know God lives in you? And that's a motivator for holiness. But it's also good news because the Spirit of God is in us. And he's the one who helps us in the daily struggle for holiness. He doesn't just leave us to it. This is not about a set of rules of a God who says, I want to crush your fun. No, it's about a father who says, my design for you is always good. Be holy because I'm holy. And he gives us his spirit who lives in us, who walks every day with us. And he's the one actually who right now is convicting us in our hearts and minds of things that God wants to change in us, of things that God wants to do for us because he wants to do us good. He wants us to be holy like him because it's good for us. And the spirit in us helps us. He not only shows us our sin, he strengthens and empowers us in the fight for holiness, doesn't he? I read something this week and said, the sign of the spirit of God at work in your life is not um, kind of a sin-free life. No, it's a fight against sin. That's the sign. It's that God is in us, that his spirit in us is helping us in the fight to honor God with everything we have and everything we do. With our bodies, with our lives, with our money, with our thoughts, with our attitudes, with our jobs. The blueprint for life is to honor him above everything. In our integrity, in, in the little things that you think, oh, everyone does it. No, you're free from conformity. Everyone does it, not you, not me. Be holy as I am holy. In a little while, we're going to take communion together, and it's, a, and it's an opportunity for us to come to the table, as it were, come to the, the juice and the bread, which we know represents the broken body, the poured-out blood of Christ, the one who threw his physical body in death, took us in and gave us his righteousness. Whereas we reflect on that in communion, we're just so grateful that's now who we are. That's now our identity. The people of God, holy like our Father 
when he looks at us, you know, the Bible says he sees the righteousness of Christ. It's like a, a, a robe. We're covered with Christ's righteousness. It's the most beautiful thing. It's the center of the gospel message that we love and that we proclaim, isn't it? We are covered by the righteousness of Christ. The Father looks on us and sees the goodness and the purity and the righteousness of Christ. But today, I believe God is calling us then to a response and to say, God, with all my heart, with everything I am, I want to be holy. I want to honor you. I want the things I do to look different from the world around me because you're my father. Not the father of this world, what the Bible calls the father of this world, the enemy, the devil, and all his agents out there wreaking havoc in lives. We don't want any of that. We want to be like our father. In a way, not that sets us apart in some kind of holy huddle. No, we want to look different because we want people to see it. You know, taken back to that picture of August Landmesser in that picture, that's quite a famous picture. Some of you may have seen it before. He stands out, doesn't he? He's there. He's there in the crowd, but he stands out. He's not conforming. I feel this, this word from God, repent and return. Today is the day. Tim already said this morning that he felt God was saying that maybe some people have just turned away from God. Maybe you just felt it was too hard. It can be hard, but it's not too hard. God is with us. He has made you holy. He has given everything you need. We look forward to meeting him and being with him in all eternity. He's given us so much. And I believe today he's just looking for hearts that are fully and wholly turned to him in worship. Worship that goes out the door today and carries on tomorrow and the next day and the next day with our bodies, with our very lives. And as we come to the table, as we come and take communion, you know, the Bible also says when we confess our sin, he's faithful and he cleanses us from every unrighteousness because the righteousness of Christ is ours. Sharon, if you and whoever, which other musicians you would like want to come up and just prepare, we're going to sing a little bit. Paul Brown, who's one of the leaders here, is away this week. He's preaching away in Hastings. But last week he had a dream and he sh on the Saturday night and he shared it with us last Sunday morning. And uh, it's quite an intricate dream about a garden and about all sorts of things going on in that garden. But the one thing that stuck with me at the time and I think it's a very powerful picture, and I believe it's prophetic, God spoke it, was Paul was invited by people to get into this swimming pool in, in this wonderful garden, and they said, come in, it's great, come in, it's fun, We're having a great time, and he got in the water, and then he realized that the pool was full of snakes uh, and other nasty creatures, and people were enjoying themselves and saying, no, it's fine, and he said, and there was an urgent call to him, no, get out, get out of the water, and he said, this is the application, he said, don't mess around with sin, get out. And that was the picture, and it came back to me, this, this idea that, yeah, it's okay, everyone does it, just come on in. And God says, no, get out, get out. If that speaks to you, it may, it may not, then just hear what God is saying. Uh, can we just play some music for a little bit, as I'm just, and then we're going to sing a response. But this is what we're going to do, this communion at the front here in two places and at, at upstairs as well. Um, I just want us to take a bit of time, just on our own or with somebody you, you want to talk to, just to reflect on what God is saying, what God has maybe said to you. 
just to reflect, just to repent, maybe, and confess, just to thank God for the righteousness of Christ represented here in this uh, communion meal. And then it, you're very free, as you feel you want to, just come down and take bread and juice, take the communion. This is a way that we not only remind ourselves of Jesus, it, it's an opportunity to come close again and meet him again. You're free to take it on your own or to, to pray with someone and take it together. Come when you're ready. You're very free. And then in a few minutes, we're just going to sing a song of response as well. Is that okay?